0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the EMG Gold podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sen Boyasi, and I have another treat for you today. But just before I welcome today's guest, let me give you a bit of background about this individual. So today's guest is Kevin O'Brien. Kevin is a global healthcare executive with more than three decades of experience in the pharmaceutical industry. And he currently holds the position of of President of North America at MERS Therapeutics. Prior to joining MERS, Kevin spent more than 16 years leading several global teams at Allegan, while also enjoying a successful career at both Johnson & Johnson and Boston Scientific. In his current role, Kevin leads MERS's commercial strategy and execution across the US and Canada, and is committed to offering novel therapeutic treatments for the largely unmet needs of patients suffering from movement disorders. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. Excited to have you on board too. I'm going to dive straight in because I'm really, really curious to know, how did you land your first role in the pharmaceutical industry and and what motivated you to begin this career in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, it's, you know, that's a really timely and topical question. I've got a a son who is a senior in in college right now and is starting his career search. So for what he calls his first real job. So uh, it's really a a hot topic around my house. I was telling him the other day, I started my first professional job as a pharmaceutical sales rep at J&J. And, uh, you know, it, to me, coming out of college it it was where do I get a good sales job? How do I mm-hmm. land that? I wanted to make some money. I was uh, dating a girl at the time that I wanted to impress, <laughs> and pharmaceutical sales seemed like a great option uh, for a young college graduate uh, and not only did the job stick, but uh, I guess I did impress the girl because thirty years later we're still married, happily oh, married. Wow. Yeah, so uh, things work out. Um, but while I was working kind of in that sales role at j and J, I I decided to attend law school. I went to night school. I passed the California bar and assumed that I would start practicing law. But as I was at j and J, I I progressed in my career and really wanted to stay in the pharmaceutical industry. And it really came back to that desire to help people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, during my career in the industry during, you know, throughout the time, I've had the opportunity to live and work around the world and have found that as I've advanced, my larger platform has given me the opportunity to create even more impact. And, you know, why I've stayed in the pharmaceutical industry is really because of the people. I think it's kind of that like-mindedness of truly good people wanting to help people and make sure that we provide for patients.
0: Love that answer. And cheeky question, but do you think your son will follow in your footsteps or does it look like he's looking at something completely different?
1: You know, it's that is the uh, golden question right now. <laughs> I think he, he wants to do something sports related, but nice. I think in time he may, he may come to the pharma industry.
0: He'll figure it out, I'm sure. Yep. Sure. <laughs> and and um, while at MERS, um, you've been involved in the approval of the first and only neurotoxin treatment for pediatric chronic scylaria. What is unique about developing a first-of-its-kind treatment, and and how can we ensure that other unmet needs are consistently identified and addressed? First
1: off, our product, xiamen is is really a unique product in the space. It's the first and only neuromodulator that's uniquely purified by what we call extract technology. It's the only state-of-the-art manufacturing process that uniquely purifies the molecule, removing mm-hmm. the unnecessary proteins and just leaving the active therapeutic component. And we're excited about our most recent FDA approval for Ziamin for pediatric cellulare or chronic drooling. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important because it Uh, it's estimated that there's about uh, 300,000 U.S. children suffering from this debilitating condition. And up until now, they haven't had a long-acting, safe, and efficacious treatment option. So we do a lot of work with our caregivers and with the physicians. And when you talk to them, and obviously with a lot of these kids, it really is devastating to hear about how this uh, chronic drooling impacts their lives, right? Um, as you can imagine, a lot of these kids have to wear a bandana or mm-hmm. something to catch the drooling, um, and you know that really has an impact on the young kids. But as they get older, too, uh, into adolescence, into their teenage years, that social stigma associated with drooling really comes out. And if if we can take care of them. So that they can go to their care facilities or get to school or have those social interactions, Mm -hmm. that's going to be key. Um, And for us, you know, treating pediatric scylaria, it's not about driving lots of additional revenue. It's kind of a smaller market if you consider what would happen in the pharmaceutical industry. But at MERS, we're really proud, and this is really our focus, and This is really where we stand and kind of say, this is what makes us different. We're super committed and solely committed to serving um, patients suffering from movement disorders and Mm -hmm. other neurological conditions. Mm
0: -hmm. And your passion definitely comes across. Um, Well, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely brilliant, which, which kind of leads me on to the next question. And it's more, of course, current, um, because with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which has dominated the healthcare landscape in 2020, and I'm sure yeah. will continue going into this year and maybe even the next one, I'm always curious to know how organisations have been coping and dealing with it. Um, and my question for you and MERS, I guess, is how do you guys continue to champ- champion sorry, patient voices and what plans are there for this year?
1: Yeah, that's a it's a really good question because it was something I think a lot of us when COVID started hitting last year, um, almost a year ago, it, you know, it was all right. How do we continue the business continuity and how do we make sure that um, you know we we get that voice of the patient out there? And we did a couple key things. Uh, first off we really spent a lot of time with our advocacy groups and Mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure because we knew the patients were going to be impacted we've seen and what we deal with is chronic conditions so the patients need to come back in every three months to get their therapy to get their treatment uh with xeomin and we wanted to make sure as we knew that they would be delayed in you know because of COVID, the doctor's offices were closing, et cetera, scheduling appointments became more difficult, um, that that voice of the patient was heard. So we really spent a lot of time with our advocacy groups that could help champion that voice of the patient. We did a lot of virtual 5Ks to raise awareness. We did a great virtual walk with one, uh, a virtual zoo walk with one of our great uh, advocacy groups. Mm -hmm. And we made sure that we keep that uh, voice of the patient and that ongoing communication that the treatment options are there for them. So making sure that we do that loud and clear from a corporate side, we really doubled our efforts to elevate our patient savings and our patient assistance programs. We have a program called MERS Connect. Uh, We just launched a new website and the tools to help ensure patients have access to treatments regardless of kind of their financial situation. So we really put a lot of time and effort there. And then lastly, we're super excited about this new year. We are kicking off uh, our first pediatric portfolio. So going into the pediatric, space. And in less than six months, uh, during the COVID times, we actually have two first-line pediatric approvals for our product Xeomin, for chronic sylurea that I'd mentioned, and then also for upper limb spasticity, excluding spasticity caused by cerebral palsy. So we're excited to bring uh, Xeomin to this new patient population.
0: Super exciting. And in terms of um, you guys internally, because The pandemic has also obviously forced the pharmaceutical industry, along with all the other industries, to go remote, um, which then consequently can have an impact on culture in the way that we interact and communicate with each other. What approach did MERS take to translating uh, its or your culture online?
1: Yeah, it's so important because, you know, Mm. normally we're seeing our sales teams and our office employees every day right uh, yeah. it is so weird that separation that we've all felt um, obviously spent a lot of time on webcast etc but what we did early on kind of right at the start we put a couple i think best practices together and we made sure that our cross-functional critical response team has met really every week every Monday at 4 30 um, to review the data to understand kind of what is happening both locally and throughout the North America and we've also put a um, a feedback loop together where every six weeks we've sent out a pulse survey and we've been, really been able to listen to kind of what employees are thinking and hearing and um, and kind of their thoughts and concerns about what is going on and and react to that and make sure that we're staying in front of it. So mm-hmm. I think that it, it's been critical that kind of these kind of foundational tactics were successful because we had already had, a, I think a really good culture of positivity and compassion and mm-hmm. understanding, but we were able to build off of that, even in the times of when we're, we're not really together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, It's funny, I think of obviously a lot of people create walls and between work and and kind of home life. And, you know, those kind of all came down uh, during the pandemic, because we put our meetings right in in everybody's living rooms and kitchens and home offices, we kind of took a thought of rather than just accepting that kids and pets and partners were going to pop up, uh, you know, in the back of the Zoom calls, like I think everybody's seen,
0: um, yeah.
1: we we've, yeah, we've chose to say, hey, we're going to make families part of it. And we did a uh, great virtual event. We had our virtual awards night, families to be a part of it it worked out really good so that uh, you know it it wasn't just about the employee but bringing everybody together and I think one thing that I'm really proud to say is that I can now distinguish between the different barks of my employees so just funny weird things that have happened but it really has Honestly, if you look at it and go, you know, it's been a really good uh, for our employees and for the business. We've avoided layoffs. We've had super high retention and we continue to meet our performance goals. So, um, you know, bringing that family element and just understanding where people are going to be has been really successful for us.
0: It's obviously been a challenging year and quite intense in so many ways. Right. So the fact that you guys still find the time to have fun, yeah. Um, and go above and beyond for your employees and your, your co-workers is, is so nice uh, and lovely to hear. And what about you as a leader? Is there anything that the last year has taught you about being a leader yourself? And have you had to adapt the way that you approach things and the way that you manage teams?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, really good question. A couple of things come to mind. First off, I think it's the something that I've always found, I think probably both of these, but that get highlighted in kind of this time of separation or it, uh, of not having everybody in. But one would be the importance of communication—just being open, being honest, being real, consistent, and being available, no matter what time zone you're in. And and I think that's the adaptability that that so many people have seen. The other one is collaboration. You know, collaboration that has is so much more important now, and it is required. It's not a recommendation. Uh, you know, we've seen great work between our U.S. and Germany colleagues. Um, if you think about it, in during the space of the pandemic, we were able to secure priority review from the FDA for Xeomin, for SBLA, for chronic scylaria, and the submission process in a timely, very, you know, quick time fashion went really smooth. And we were able to bring our, our first and only treatment for pediatric sylureas to these patients before the year ended. So within mm-hmm. the time of of COVID, we were able to get it done. And I think that was just because of the great work and great collaboration that the team saw. And it's really creating that value um, that goes beyond what you can do alone.
0: Yeah, Absolutely incredible. And I think for me as well, one of the main things I was just thinking about as you were speaking, um, especially about the first point that you made, one of the main things that I've certainly learned as well um, is just listening a lot more to individuals, which goes to the communication, because I find that when you are not present with people face to face, you miss out on certain cues like body language, etc. Whereas being in a virtual environment really forces you to listen to people a lot more closely in order to pick up on some of those things that you might perhaps miss.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It goes to just the nice, the ability to have a WebEx or a Zoom, whatever the platform, but to be able to see that person one-on-one is just so much more critical to having that good open conversation. We've really increased our use of those platforms.
0: Yeah, definitely. My final question for you, Kevin, when you look back over the course of your career, what is a piece of advice that you've been given or maybe multiple piece of advice that you've been given, but, but something that still resonates with you today?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I think back to kind of our opening and uh, my conversation with my son about kind of how he's entering the career and been trying to give him that good fatherly advice. And I think, you know, I'm pretty simple in my approach to, to many things, but um, to me, it's really show up and give your best every day. It is about having the passion for what you believe in and what you're doing. But uh, in, it, in any industry, our coworkers and our customers, they really deserve the best, right? So have that passion, show up and deliver, bring the energy that you have, and no matter what, you'll succeed. I mean, that's really, I think, what it takes to to succeed at things. You know, Bring the energy mm-hmm. and be there, be there for the people that you're working with.
0: Love that. And what a great note to end on. Very insightful and fascinating, Kevin. Thank you again for taking the time to share your thoughts and insights with us. I've definitely enjoyed chatting with you.
1: Yeah, it's been fantastic. I really have enjoyed talking with you about this as well.
0: <laughs> Lovely. And to our listeners, thank you once again for listening in. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did and look forward to having you back next week for another episode of the EMG Gold Podcast. Thank you and take care.